We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee deep in the duck blind. If it flies, it dies. Only duck hunting fanatics know what it feels like to see a brightly colored Drake Mallard cup its wings and soar towards your decoys. It's what we do and it's what we love. Duck hunting fanatics with boots on the ground, eyes in the skies reports. And we get it from professional duck guides all across the country. We interview them for their top tips and tricks from their years of experience from the duck hunting blind. This is Duck Hunting Fanatics, and this is Eric Wilkes. Greetings, friends and fellow duck hunting fanatics. Eric Wilkes here with another episode of Knee Deep in the Duck Blind, and we have a very special guest, uh, a guest that I'm, I'm quite uh, sure that a lot of you have heard of. Uh, a guy by the name of Ron Spomer that's been around for a long time. He's got a, he's been, you guys have probably seen him on TV. If you haven't seen him on TV, you've certainly seen him on YouTube. Uh, he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the hunting world. And uh, I know his, his story. I, I, I was telling Ron before we got on here that, you know, I feel like I know him. He doesn't know me, but uh, we're excited to have you. Ron, want to thank you again for being here, my friend. Oh, thanks for inviting me, Eric. This is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, again, for maybe those, you know, for that are just getting into the industry, uh, I know a lot of the young guys have probably seen you that are, you know, they're big into digital and social media and you're, you've kind of expanded your, your audience there as well. You know, just open with a little bit of your background and, and experience. I know you, you mentioned the wetlands of South Dakota, just share some of your experiences in hunting. Yeah, I was uh, a kid. I'm a lot older than most of your listeners, probably. You know, I was fortunate to be coming of age in the late 60s and through the 70s when you could still knock on doors and get permission to hunt almost anywhere, especially in a rural state like South Dakota. And of course, that's part of the duck factor. So we had all kinds of native wetlands we could go to. And we would just crawl out in a black morning and set out the decoys, hunt ducks until the flight was kind of over and the pheasant hour opened up and then we would grab our shotguns and switch to hunting pheasants. And if we did pretty well there and finished up by the end of the day, we would either drop into some squirrel woods or hunt some cocktails with a 22 or crawl up into a tree with a bow for deer and just have a high old time. And, uh, and it was pretty easy to be a hunter in those days. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, now it's getting, it's getting a little tougher now because, you know, obviously uh, a lot of uh, our land is either being developed or a lot of it, like where I reside in Wisconsin, a lot of it's private. And if you don't have access to private land, it's pretty tough. Right. To find, uh, it's really tough to find open public land. And uh, some of those challenges that we all have to deal with, and especially for those that are new to the hunting and uh, to the hunting industry, and maybe just getting into it for the first time, maybe you struggle a little bit to find some land that's close by. But uh, in, in that, we still live for it. We're still passionate about it. We still love and enjoy what we do. And I think most guys, as you and I were kind of chatting before we hit the record button, Ron, most guys hunt multiple species. We don't just hunt one thing. I think most of us, if we could hunt year round, we would. Um, you know, it's been awesome through all this pandemic stuff to see a lot of people get back to their roots and actually start hunting again. I know the outdoor industry this last couple of years has really exploded. We, we work with a lot of hunting guides and, uh, they're all booked up through 2022 and booking into 2023 already. 
uh, they're almost overwhelmed, which is, it's really neat to see that bounce back. Have you noticed that as well? I know you're out in the field and you're out doing hunting and, and doing your own thing and recording shows. Are you seeing a lot of guys get back to the, their roots of hunting and fishing? Yeah, exactly what you said. COVID sort of woke everyone up and we realized we might need to get this meat. You know, it's not just fun to be hunting, but it's almost necessary in some cases. And it, and of course gives an interesting pastime, even if you don't desperately need the food. It's just so much wonderful stuff about hunting that we love. And then, as you mentioned, the hard parts getting that place to hunt. So I think young folks today or anyone new to the sport really needs to cultivate some landowners and or use some of these phone apps that describe who owns what property on their mapping programs and figure out where you might have opportunities. You know, a lot of states have these programs that will pay landowners to open their fields to hunters. Um, in Kansas, they have, I think, a, a WIP wildlife habitat improvement program or something where you get walk in. They got walk-in areas. Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, all these Midwest and Western states have some kind of a program like that. I would imagine you guys back in Wisconsin, Great Lakes states have something. Then there's the paper companies, national forests, state forests. So don't get discouraged. You just have to do a lot of research to figure all this stuff out. And once you've got that done, I think I agree with you to pay attention to a, a great variety of hunting opportunities and then you don't have to sit on your thumbs because you've got a short deer season, say, or the pheasant season or the duck season's closed. There are other things to hunt. And all the while you're out there hunting, of course, you're doing what you want to do, which is reconnecting with nature. I mean, it's just a natural status of man, I think, is to be a natural predator or be part of the whole system. You just feel so much more in tune with your life. If you know what's going on outdoors, even if you don't get anything for several days, you're seeing how nature works and how the weather affects the animal movements. And just the whole process is so enveloping and it's just a joy to be out there doing it. So I would say have that great attitude and be looking for places where you can regain your freedom. And that's what hunting gives us is just that freedom to interact the same way as a coyote or a lion or an elk would. You're just out there doing what nature programs you to do. And then, of course, do it responsibly and share and all the rest of it. Because we all know, as you said, the habitat's losing out. I mean, we've, we had over 210 million acres of wetlands in this country, and we're down to about 100 million now. That makes a huge difference in the waterfall populations. I was reading up on some data from Ducks Unlimited several years ago, and they did an extrapolation of data backwards from what's produced in a good year, a good wet year these days. We might have 100 million ducks in the fall flight. Well, back in the day, before everything went to heck with the development and everything, it was four and a half times that number, if you can imagine that. Wow. Yeah. I would have, I would have never guessed four and a half times. That's a significant difference. I mean, you're talking a hundred versus 450 million ducks that are flying and migrating. It's nuts. Yeah. That's a significant change. So that, that gives you some indication of what's going on with habitat. Right. And, you know, obviously yeah. hunting pressure and all that plays a role in it, but you know, essentially cutting the habitat in half and, and um, the flight patterns, we've effectively reduced the number of ducks by four and a half times. That's, that's, that's a crazy number to me. Yeah, it, it really is. And 
what I think we should take out of that is the need for us to not just protect the remaining habitats, but advocate for more. You know, we always brag about we're the greatest conservationists and we pay the bills and all that, and that's true. But I think we really need to understand, not just buy the tags and the licenses and join Ducks Unlimited, but understand why it is so essential for us to be a part of that and then increase that and put pressure on society at large. And that doesn't mean God grab by the throat and say, contribute to some duck habitat. <laughs> but, but, you know, politely um, educate folks, you know, just let them know, show them that you're enthusiastic and you love ducks and geese and marsh wrens and coots and rails and snipe and all the animals that are involved in, in dependent on wetlands so that they begin to understand that, that our passion is not to just go hunt them, but it's to have them and keep them around. And people just don't know it. Your average person who's not a hunter doesn't understand that the habitat's going away. They Once they leave concrete in the city and they see a field, they think that's wildlife habitat. You know, it could have absolutely nothing on it. It could be completely farmed out. There's gotta be cover for stuff and they don't understand that in the winter it gets plowed and sits there empty and nothing can live on it. And it might've been a wetland once, but they drained it. And if you're not interested in hunting and wildlife, you don't understand that stuff. So I think that's how we need to share it with people, but not preaching to them. Nobody likes it when you tell them you're evil because you eat corn and they make that corn. They had to drain this wetland and plant a cornfield. They don't want to hear it like that because we're all in this together. So you just need to be polite and explain it with some enthusiasm and, and optimism on solutions, how we can improve the habitat or maintain it. So, I mean, it's a big load to carry, but I think that's the essential responsibility of all of us sport hunters. It is, and, and I think everybody is in an agreement and in alignment with that. I think, you know, everybody has like the, the what. A lot of times the big question is the how, right? How do we go about that? How do we approach it? And how do we approach those people? And how do we educate them within a, in a non-threatening, non-offensive yeah, and, and still educate and get our point across in a way that is is going to be received to help people truly understand what our industry is and what our industry is all about. And more importantly, how we can help the overall system, right? Meaning yeah. wildlife, the ecosystem, the environment and the impacts that, that we all collectively can, can make together as a group. Yeah, absolutely. It. You know, and I don't have the, the recipe exactly. You know, there are some people who are natural salesmen. <laughs> they could walk up to you out of the blue, introduce right, themselves right. in like five minutes, sell an you know, ice cream cone to an Eskimo, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, try at least talk with your, your family and any friends you have who don't hunt and just be sincere and honest. And as I said, optimistic and enthusiastic and try to put when I was back a kid in the Boy Scouts, it was always that one of the models was put the best construction on everything. So instead of saying, oh, woe is us and everything's falling apart, you just say, boy, do you hear the opportunity we have to increase the number of wildflowers and songbirds by supporting this Ducks Unlimited program? What are you talking about, man? And then you explain it to them and maintain that enthusiasm. And it's pretty hard for people to vote against you when you have that kind of an attitude. Exactly. And yeah. And yeah, I think just, you know, do it in a non-threatening, just educational, sincere way, like you said, and just help them start to understand. And um, Ron, I do, I want to read 
there, there's a statement on your website and it's the very first thing when you come to, to your website and it struck me. So I want to pick your brain on it and I'm going to read it yeah. out loud. so Everyone can, can hear it. And it's, it's just, it's ronspomeroutdoors.com guys, for the, those of you that are listening. Uh, but the very first thing says, if your heart leaps at the sight of a bear and your spirit soars with the flight of a goose, join me here at Ron Spomer Outdoors as we discover our roles, responsibilities, adventures, and thrills as nature's hunters and conservationists. So, Ron, just talk a little bit about, again, I, I'm reading this right off of your website. Like, what does that mean to you? Because I can tell it's very genuine. It's very, um, it comes across as very heartfelt. And I can tell that it's coming from you and for part of what you stand for. But I just want you to speak to that for just a minute about what it actually means to you and what you're doing with your new outdoor show, or your new outdoor company and your, uh, your YouTube channel, Facebook, every, everything that you stand for. Just talk about that for a minute. Uh, you know, I wrote that when I first started that website, gosh, 12, 13 years ago, whatever it was, because here was my opportunity unfiltered to explain exactly part, I guess, part of exactly why I am so enthralled by the natural environment and to hook people to joining me to discover these things. And I'm not just a hunter. I'm also a birder. I like to think of myself as a naturalist just because I'm interested in nature and wildlife and all aspects of it. So to, to me, I am hunting all the time. I'm hunting for information. I'm hunting for discovery. I always say what hunters are really trying to do is they're capture the essence of nature, the beautiful part of nature. Um, just think of any aspect of hunting that fires you up. It's all got to do with returning to our roots as natural creatures and sharing it with other ones. And once you understand that, you appreciate your hunting that much more. You appreciate what you bagged. You appreciate being outwitted by what you didn't bag. And then you start to care about, wait a minute, where are these animals being raised? What can I do to increase their numbers or help maintain their numbers? Because I understand that we are all in this together. The ducks and the deer and the moose and the bears and all of us are on this planet working together you, it's, you could say dog eat dog, but it's you know, like horse eat plant, man eat deer, deer eat bushes, but everybody's living really with and on everything else. Everything consumes other living things. We just recycle it. And these days, I always refer people to that lion movie, that Disney Lion King movie, where they talk about the cycle of life and everything. And that's what too few people, I think, really concentrate on. What exactly is that cycle of life? And how are we involved in it? And one of my complaints with people, I think, is that too many of us think that we're above all that. And I always say, guys, we didn't just get dropped from Venus or Mars to get here. We're part of the same mishmash. We bleed, we live, we die, we have to eat. We have to hunt in order to eat. And we're herbivores. And you can be like a cow and go out grazing if you want. But I'm, I'm going to put some ducks and some venison <laughs> in my greens. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, fair enough. Thank, thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate it. Because it just, when, when I saw that, uh, I'm like, you know, that really just kind of strikes a, a chord. And I think it, it, it connects and it resonates with anyone who is an outdoorsman. And so we, we appreciate you just kind of sharing some thoughts and some feelings around that. Uh, and, and I know you're a big, uh, you're a big game hunter. You, you do a lot, a lot of your YouTube videos are around, um, big game. I did see, 
you know, I know you do some, um, uh, you do some upland hunting. Uh, what's your favorite? And, and you do, I know you do some duck hunting in there. Um, what's your favorite species to growing? What's your favorite species to hunt and why? You know, I get asked that a lot. And I really don't have a favorite because so, so much of it is pleasurable for me. It's just enjoying being out what we've just been talking about. So it really doesn't matter what animal I'm after. Obviously, I enjoy deer hunting, whitetail hunting, because they're, you know, they're just sort of the epitome of a wary big game animal. And it's easier to get to them than it would be, say, moose and sheep and stuff. And I've hunted all that stuff. I've done a lot of sheep hunting. And back when I was younger and had better legs, I could climb the mountains for weeks at a time and proceed to go after sheep with a backpack on. These days, that's a little more difficult. So I'm returning to sort of my first love, which is upland bird hunting, especially pheasants. But I, I've got sharp tails on our ranch here in Idaho and, and huns and rough grouse. And in the mountains nearby, we have blue grouse or dusky grouse they're called these days so any upland birds i enjoy because i'm active i really like to walk waterfowl hunting for me is not as much fun now as it was when i was a kid because generally i'm ending up with friends in a blind or outfitters in a blind and they've pretty much done the hunting for me i hate to say it but when you go with someone <laughs> scouted the water you know to me that was half the fun is we'd be out uh, work scouring the countryside trying to find those little hidden wetlands where we would get into a pile of ducks and then we felt like we'd struck gold before anybody else found it the next day we'd set our decoys up and the birds would fog in and we'd get our birds and think like wow we really pulled this one off yeah when i go with an <laughs> outfitter i know he's already done all that and all i do is show up and shoot some ducks which shoot. is still fun yeah. but <laughs> so yeah i i just enjoy getting out and finding Oh, there's a hot spot for elk right there. Look at that that little basin up there with those dark trees. I bet you there's good water supply in there. That'd be a perfect place for elk early season. Um, anything like that where I could figure it out, do the scouting and roam the country and, and just rediscover the joys of, of being out there and being successful. Yeah, well, you're an, you're an archery hunter. I think there's an unspoken thing. Uh, you, you know, you can speak to anybody who got into archery hunting or does any kind of archery hunting is very much a DIY type of guy. And, um, as an archery hunter myself, yeah, I mean, there is, there is a certain amount of pride that goes into doing all, you know, doing all the work yourself. And then the side of it, you know, I, I, I share in that, you know, it's, it's about nature and just being one with, with nature and just being out and experiencing nature in, in all of its glory and then when you throw in that I did this myself aspect, and I think uh, uh, a lot of that stimulates from archery hunting. There's a lot of data out there. It's you know, and and and, and at least from what I I see, uh, archery hunters are a lot of times uh, don't mind going out by themselves um, because uh -huh. you get a little bit closer to nature and a little you got to get that much closer to the animal, and it is uh, uh, opens up its own significant set of challenges in, uh, in itself, but. Uh, to bring that kind of full circle, I see a lot of that. Um, a lot of guys are like that, whether you archery hunt or don't archery hunt that, you know, there's a certain amount of pride, the DIY guy, Hey, I did this. I did all the homework. I did all the research and I was successful. It was because of me, not because of the work that someone else did. And I'm not, I'm not knocking, you know, I'm not saying don't go on guided hunts either. Um, by all means, I've, I've done it. Um, I will continue to do it in, into the foreseeable future. 
um, so that I can go experience places like Alaska again and, and so on and so forth. So sometimes it's hard to do a true DIY hunt from afar um, until you have local knowledge, but nonetheless, um, that's awesome that you're, you know, you're still getting out. I mean, you're not going to quit anytime soon. So keep creating the content that you're creating and doing the things that you're doing, because we, we enjoy it. I know our listeners will enjoy it. Uh, growing up as a kid though, favorite duck hunt, favorite, uh, favorite duck to shoot. Oh boy. You know, I really like peel much as we targeted mallards. There were so many teal around both green wing and blue wing. We didn't have any cinnamon, and they were so fast and they would come into the decoy so quickly that, of course, we were young and quick, too. And it was like, oh, wow, I got to see it. Oh, they're so fast. How can you hit those? Well, once you figured it out and you could do it, you just felt extra proud for taking one of those. So, yeah, we would, we would still set the decoys for mallards and we would really want to get the big juicy mallards. But my golly, those little teal zipping around were just a treat. So I was always welcoming those birds in. That's awesome. Yep. And know those teal are quick. You know, a lot of times um, uh, I get asked that question a lot too. And um, for me, it's teal. Uh, you know, again, yeah, same thing here in Wisconsin. We target the mallards quite a bit. Um, uh, for me growing up, even doing, I know you do a lot of upland hunting as well. For me, it was uh, bobwhite quail. Uh, and those things are just so lightning fast and they don't get up very high. They stay pretty low to the ground. And there's just a lot of other moving components there. If you're hunting over dogs that you got to be mindful of. And, oh man, I used to love shooting bobwhite quail, still do. And they are, they are quite the challenge. I don't get the opportunity to hunt them as much anymore, but uh same like you, Ron, um, on the upland side, I'm big into, uh, big into pheasants. Um, love going out to Utah every once in a while when I get the chance to do it and going out there and hunting wild chucker. That's usually a good time. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we could wrap for days. We could have all segment just on, uh, just on bird hunting and deer hunting and all the different kinds of hunting and we can talk strategy, but, uh, you know, I want to say thank you for your time. Uh, and, and we do appreciate you being here real quick uh, in, in, as we kind of wrap up here, Ron, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way to, what's the best way to reach out to you? Oh God, just get on the website. You can make comment on my blogs. We're putting videos into the blogs. Now we're just starting it up. Uh, we've got a couple of YouTube channels. One is a, essentially a podcast channel, Ron Spomer Outdoors podcasts, but you can get it on your podcatchers too. And then the other channel is YouTube, uh, Ron Spomer Outdoors. And that's where I cover a lot of the guns and shooting and bullets and cartridges and answering all kinds of questions about ballistics uh, mainly. And that gets to be a little bit problematic sometimes with what you can and cannot say. So we're pushing a lot of the gun review content and the shooting things to the, the website on the blogs. So we've got, I don't know, hundreds of something like 700 blogs on there already. And we've got some guest bloggers now. We're starting to throw in some things that I don't cover quite as much. So ronspomeroutdoors.com is probably the best place to get started. And then there's Facebook and Instagram and a lot of the social media sites like that. But the core of our content will be on ronspomeroutdoors.com and then the YouTube channels. Perfect. And there you go, guys. Just to, just to say that one more time, ronspomeroutdoors.com. So for those of you that are uh, viewing this on YouTube or maybe watching it on, on Facebook, I got to do scroll to the bottom and Ron's got all the links to all of his social media stuff. Definitely get out, check him out, connect with them. I know, I know most, if not all of you have at least heard of Ron or probably seen him on TV or on YouTube, like I said at the beginning. 
Um, I've known Ron, he's been around for a really long time. So uh, I'm very gracious that you took some time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us today. And, and they're very thankful that you could be here. And Ron, if you're okay, we, we'd like to you know have you on another episode. I know with your experience, we could really um, get into some topics on some different tactics and strategies just on your experience on the big game side and upland side. And we'd love to have you on another show. Oh, yeah, that would be my pleasure. More than happy to do it. I always love talking with young hunters, enthusiastic hunters, because that's our future. You know, the wildlife that I work all my life to maintain and try to increase numbers on is up to the younger generation now. So anything I can do to help or inspire, I want to try to do. So just awesome. let me know. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for being here. Uh, and I also want to toss out a special thanks to our listeners. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to continue doing these shows and um, having awesome special guests like Ron join our, join our show. So uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in and we'll see you on another episode of Knee Deep in the Duck Blind. Everybody have a great day. We are duck hunting fanatics. Knee Deep in the Duck Blind. If it flies, it dies.